Tell me about this book with Atlantis. I'm so excited. I know it's your type of material, Jason. This is this is my favorite subject in the whole world. <laughs> so, Jen, do you want me to tell him, or do you want to tell him? It's up to you. I think it's best if you lead off and and begin the okay. story. Okay. So Jen used to teach at the kids' school where my kids go to school. And I used to see her every day. And we used to hang out after school at this little park bench just because our kids were the same age and they would play together after school. And um, I just never shared with her what I did. I just figured people either know or, you know, I just, I'm really respectful of other people's beliefs. And um, one day after meeting with Jen after school in the playground for years, I asked her if she wanted to be a subject and do a regression with me. Because at that point I was trying to get my level three and I needed a video submission, but with somebody that wasn't a client, I wanted somebody that I could film and I could use that um, session. And right. I was really worried to ask her because I never really broached that subject with her. So I was, you know, well, we've been friends for years. I'll just ask her. And when I asked her, she, her response was just not what I expected. She said that she was looking for something like that because she had this brain condition and um, it was called pseudotumor cerebri. So basically um, it was swelling in her brain and it was causing, well, you can tell them what it was causing. It caused uh, me to lose the vision in a majority of my right eye and, uh, it started creating a risk, a high risk of stroke for me as well. So it was mm. definitely a double-ended kind of deal. But what we found out in our first session was that Jen was here in this lifetime, and so am I, but I didn't find this out later. Jen was here, is here in this lifetime to spread this really important information to the world. And she had tried this before and failed. So oh, I remember this. Yeah, she had tried to spread the information before and she was called crazy and she was lobotomized and eventually killed herself. This is her next life. <laughs> so she's back again. And it was no coincidence that we started working together. We just had no idea <laughs> at the time. So in her session, um, the higher self, the subconscious said that this was her purpose in this life to spread this information. And the information that is so valuable for people to understand is why we're here, our origins, and what happened to the civilizations of ancient Lemuria and ancient Atlantis. And we, it took us a couple of years to pull all of it together. I mean, we got all of this important information. And that is now why we're sharing these books because the information is so important for people to understand. And let me just tell you this crazy thing. So people have started reading our books. Someone texted me an hour ago saying they just finished the book. They got the Kindle version that, um, wait, I have to look at it. Um, that as she was reading this book, it started activating her. And she had trouble with her eyesight. And during the book, as she's reading it, her eyesight healed. Huh. Wow. So it's profound. 
I guess you got to find out what was wrong with her eyesight, you know? Yeah, well, she said it triggered the memory of her past life. So she was uh -huh. able to instantly heal it. She understood so much. And she wrote so much stuff on the email. I can't, you know, go through it all. But oh, it's yeah, incredible. That... Um, so you said books. So there's going to be more than one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Nice. Exciting. So um what's some of the topics that is discussed in the book well we both have separate books my book is like the sessions actual sessions okay but jen's is like her story her book is amazing i when okay. i couldn't put it down and i was mad when i finished it because i wanted more so good okay so Sarah, you have one book and that's the hypnotist journey to Atlantis, correct? Mm -hmm. And Jen, so you, you have a book as well. Um, her book is called child of the universe. Gotcha. And the name, the author name is J L F Sullivan. Cool. Well, I did not know you had two separate books. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So mine's like a Dolores Cannon book and it also, I'll tell you all about it when you're ready. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So my book is kind of like a Dolores Cannon's book. It's um, a compilation of her stories mixed with other clients' stories. Because this is really crazy, okay? I'm listening. I'm excited. <laughs> so Jen started recounting her story, and we started getting all this information. And then at first... I thought it was a coincidence because people started coming and recounting their stories of Atlantis and Lemuria. And I thought, well, a lot of people have Atlantis and Lemuria lifetimes, so that's normal. But then more people started and they started saying similar things to that same time period. And then I thought, oh. that's so strange. So when Jen was under and I was asking her all these questions to pull all this information out, I asked her, why are all these clients coming here? And she and her higher self said it was because I'm the closest in the Florida Keys. I'm one of the closest areas to where this one facility in Atlantis was. So the people were coming here to kind of retrieve a part of themselves. And that was confirmed in one of my sessions. The, the higher self said that this woman needed to come here because it was almost like an activation, especially if she went into the water here. Oh, no way. Yeah. Huh. And I used to live close to here. So I'm facing where I passed away in that lifetime. And I always had this strange desire to move to Florida. So weird that I ended up here. I mean, it's not weird. It was meant to be, but <laughs> it's just. <laughs> right, right. Like you had this feeling, this nudge to go down, yeah. move down there and everything. So what was this facility like and where was it at? So it was really close to the Florida Keys and this facility was not a nice facility at all. It was where they were harnessing energy from the mutated people, mutated from the vaccine side effects. Another thing that uh -oh, is crazy just about, yes. Else? <laughs> so as we were pulling this information before the coronavirus came out into the open and the quarantine, we were pulling information about um, just 
uh, Atlantis and, and pulling this information about the vaccine side effects. I didn't think anything of it. We're paralleling. There's so many parallels to what happened right. then and what's happening now. Um, we're choosing differently. Thank goodness it appears, <laughs> but still. <laughs> so that's another reason why it's really helpful to understand the past. So what happened? I, I try not to give away. I'm assuming all that right. stuff's in the book, but I try not right. to give away too much. But right. we'll your book's about 236 pages. And just keep in mind all the links to her book and Jen's book is going to be in, in the description below. And so, yeah, yeah, I can find it easier. But um, so what happened around that time frame? Like, how was that working with the facility and this? So was the mutants taking a vaccine or was it or, or was no it so what happened and so who knows if that will be uh if history will be repeating itself in this way i don't know um i'm not one to say but in in atlantis the experiment well the vaccine experiment i'm just causing calling it that um seemed like a success i mean it seemed to protect them from this deadly virus in that case, it was very deadly, the virus. And so the people were, everyone had this vaccine and you can read about how they did that in the book. But um, it wasn't right away that they noticed the side effects. The side effects didn't appear until after the um, mothers that took the, had the vaccine gave birth and the uh -huh. children were born with deformities mm -hmm. and they were born with animalistic deformities which is, wow. um, yeah, so um, that caused a lot of problems and eventually mm. was part of the reason for their downfall. Right, right. Wow. Whew. Goodness, goodness. <laughs> so now I know you had s some of your own sessions I in did. your book. You, do you talk more in detail about your sessions as well? I like do. In Miami, did you have any I, more? I do. So I, <laughs> it was, it was so, it's so crazy. It's just so funny how, um, I guess we plan these lifetimes. Well, I know we plan these lifetimes before yeah. we're born, but it's just, it's just so great when you're aware of all that. Um, but I had a past lifetime in Egypt and one in Miami, um, and um, they were just incredible. And I put the details in the in the book. Gotcha. Now, you said past lifetime in Egypt, but you had a past life regression and a past life. Right. <laughs> right. right. So you had right. a past life regression in Miami, and that's when right. some interesting things came out about Atlantis. So. Yes. And I put that in the book because it was the same time period. So I was meant to share that as well. So it's not just like my clients recounting their memories, me too, which is, um, yeah, the past lifetime I had in Egypt was, was wild. Um, when I recounted that lifetime, I only saw the Sphinx. I think I told you that. I didn't see uh, the pyramids. Okay, I think she's joining. So what happened in um, ancient Egypt? Okay, so I was just gonna do a regular regression and I went to this past life when, um, um, without giving too much away, 
where I uh, um, went on this journey to find out information about Atlantis. Oh, in a past lifetime. Yes. (laughs) That's interesting. That's funny. (laughs) I've written this book before, Jason. What? Where's it at? Can I Google? Well, it's totally been changed. I guess when I wrote it, it was in ancient Lemurian writing. It was probably on a stone or something like that. Um, oh, no. And then it was changed and added. And It's probably yeah. in dust by now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So that's in, So history, and I know it's, it's even talked about um, once before how, like, you know, history repeats itself. So it seems like it, it is repeating again and again. So that's interesting. So in your past life in Egypt, you was getting information about Atlantis. Um, now you wrote a book while you was in Egypt or I wrote a book when I went. So I wrote a book when I, it's a long story, but I did write a book because all the survivors were telling me their stories. There were survivors from Lemuria after the cataclysm. And they were recounting their stories. And I was basically taking people to the area of the Sphinx because there was the River Nile there. And it was a great place to set up their camp and everything. And I wrote about the survivors so I could help other people understand what happened to them. Basically, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Nice. So history is repeating itself again. And um. Well, we repeat history until we learn the lesson, apparently. Perfect, perfect. How you doing, Jen? You back? We're back. I'm back on track. Okay. Um, Sarah, I noticed uh, you posted a small video and you mentioned a little bit. You gave us like a little bit of a teaser. I don't know if this is in your book, but maybe you can confirm. But you gave us a little teaser. So right now the president, Donald Trump, and Atlantean time, there's a connection to it. So was that ever explored? Any little bit of more information on that one? Oh, okay, okay. The question was for you. Oh, no, uh-uh. It was um, in your coronavirus um, video. Maybe she doesn't want to talk about that. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was Jen's video. I thought that was a session. No, it was mine. I, I, it was that coronavirus video where you mentioned... Um, Donald Trump as being an ancient leader of Atlantis. Got you. I, I'm honestly, I, I feel like we've kind of exhausted the Donald Trump uh, scenarios at this point, and I don't really like pandering to that kind of crowd. So I think there's some aspects of it that I see the similarities between the ancient world and where we are now, but I don't want to present it as something that it's not for people because I feel like that information's being... Uh, kind of misused right now so okay Uh, Okay. i didn't know like if was he like a leader in atlantis or like you know like if he had to work out any kind of karma that's why i was asking because i thought that was an interesting connection so all right so jen now since you're back tell us about your book spent this year writing this book with Sarah and I started it up as my 2020 project. I knew I wanted to have it done by the end of the year. I felt this drive to have this book done by the end of the year. I knew that there was something there that needed to be said, needed to be done. And as I discovered, it was 
something I really needed to get out of myself, to be honest. And um, the book for me is a journey back in time to a life I believe I lived in the, what we would call the ancient world of Lemuria. And in this lifetime, I recalled being one of the leaders, one of the leaders that was about to take rank as the uh, head of this matriarch society. And at that time, we came into contact with the Atlanteans who were looking for a cure for a virus that was plaguing Atlantis. And they came to us looking for this cure, knowing we had the ability to heal. We had this healing ability on this island. They had discovered this from kind of watching us from afar. And through the course of our negotiations, they basically decided that they were going to annihilate our civilization in response to us not being able to cure them of this virus. And with that, the entire civilization that I saw in this lifetime was destroyed. And I know this is something a lot of other people remember in their past lives too, this great wave. This was something that haunted me for years. I would see this in my dreams. I would recall it in in just, you know, everyday daydreaming. It was just this constant idea of a wave coming at me. And that's kind of where we got started. I, I feel like with a lot of the QHT going a little bit deeper was trying to understand what this wave was in my life. And after the wave, we started to really piece together this story in a way that I, I had never really thought it was possible. All these connections started coming together. And well, I have to just say, it's, it's basically the story of my life in this past life of being a prisoner in Atlantis for 60 years of destroying or witnessing the destruction of two ancient civilizations as well in this lifetime. Wow. And all that's discussed in your book as well? Every last bit that I could recall, I've put in this book. I also filled in a lot of the blanks by re-listening to my QHHT sessions with Sarah. She would always provide for me a recording after each session. And I found that every time I would listen to it, it created a different sense of healing. It would create a continuous healing. And then it also would help me bring back different memories that I was kind of floating above in the QHHT session and get a bit more clarity on them. So I found an immense ability to recall more as I would sit there reliving, recalling, recanting as these tapes would play over and over again. And I probably listened to each one 10, 15, maybe 20 times. I know Sarah <laughs> well having to write this I did. to transcribe them. But each time it, it it was a completely new experience re-listening to it. Perfect, perfect. And so you, the name of your book is Child of the Universe, correct? Yes, I called it Child of the Universe. And I write under the name J.L.F. Sullivan. So that's kind of my little author name. And Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And for the people that are listening or watching this <laughs> video, the link to her book would be in the description as well to make it easier to find. Thank you. <clears throat> <laughs> so is there anything else you would like to share that's inside this book that uh that is pretty fascinating like a good cliffhanger that's like that's like pretty interesting to read about i think one of the most interesting covered <coughs> is the history of the animal people of this sorry about that what was that last part the history of the animal people of Atlantis is something that we uncovered that I think is going to really resonate with a lot of our readers. The idea that the Atlanteans created hybrid human-animal people and used them to channel a new type of electricity to create this almost like a wormhole back to our ancient home planet. Ah, so, interesting. 
lot of people I understand have also had past life regressions where they recall being some type of an animal person that was being experimented on in Atlantis. And so I think many. Common <clears throat> factor. Right. I, I remember the video that me and Sarah did and she was talking about uh, your session and, and then like the mutants and so on. So I remember that. <clears throat> and what's pretty interesting, uh, um, I didn't really know too much about um, the experiments, the mutations that were going on in Atlantis until I read Dolores Cannon's book. And then, and then, you know, uh, the guy, when he used to go on there in his sessions, it kind of like freaked him out the way he was seeing how they were treated and how they were used as sport and how they were used, you know, like as game, like for the, for the arenas and stuff. And he said, I, I never want to do it again. And then that was, that was it. That's all you heard of it after that. So that's, that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> For um, now with books, y'all going to continue on with that subject with Atlantis and Lemuria, or y'all just going to continue on to another subject? I've already started on my sequel. So I think this is another <laughs> subject. Interesting. Goes so much further than Atlantis and Lemuria. I think it re our books both kind of delve into so many different mysterious understandings from our history that we can't seem to place together, and it kind of weaves them all together to give you a complete picture of why we can't understand these things, of why we can't place them, and it it goes way further than that. Nice. Well, so, plus there's a, such a long period of time between those events. So. In my book, I found, and in my regressions, that it was a 60-year difference between the end of uh, the cataclysm that ended Lemuria and the cataclysm that ended Atlantis. Right, right. Uh, definitely. Some people have different recounts, but that's kind of what I was downloaded with, I guess, what you'd say when you were... <laughs> right. Well, plus, you know, we got to consider also the time frame when Atlantis did go down and Lemuria when it went down versus today's time. So a lot of time has passed since Definitely. then. Was there anything else inside the book that you would like to share? I don't want to give away any t too much juicy details, but is there anything else you would like to share about the book? I found it to be very healing for myself with the return of my eyesight with the return of the balance of the brain fluid that I had experienced, uh, you know, all of these health issues that I was experiencing suddenly with literally with finishing this book and publishing them, I feel like a new person. It has truly helped me just regain the health that I've been searching for for years. And I've realized that this isn't just for me. I feel like this is for other people as well. And as I was reading some of Sarah's reviews today, I'm starting to see the same thing in people who are reading the books as well. Okay. So I and I noticed the healing for myself as well. I didn't notice it until um, a couple months ago, but I have changed so much because my kids, my husband notices it. I feel like a lightness to me. Just kind of a, like, I understand. I understand what happened to me, what happened to all those people. God. Yeah, you can't unlearn it now. That's how it kind of. <laughs> right. Happens. Once when you know it, you know it. That's a, that's a wrap. Once when you open that box. Right. What kind of changes have you noticed? You said feeling lighter. Like, I feel. Like a difference. Well, you can ask Jen. I've. 
this is how I usually, <laughs> uh, no, you can ask Jen about me. I want to know everything. I want to know everything and it's insatiable, but I've, I've, after absorbing this material, I feel like I understand now. <laughs> I'm like relaxed about it. Ah, you don't feel that eager, that urge of like. No, I feel like I understand now. <laughs> I got the picture. And, and in that way, I feel a lightness about myself, about everything. Because I understand what happened to me, what happened to those people. And just putting this out, just letting it go out so that other people can help themselves has been very cathartic. It really puts a, an answer to the question of why are we here? And that's something I think we struggle as, as a species uh, it, throughout our eternal history. What, what are we even doing? What is the purpose for all of this? And I think what we uncovered is the best answer I've ever seen in a, in a lifetime of search. Oh man, my internet. Can you say that again? <laughs> I can, all right. I, I believe that this book is something that has just it's just this whole idea of why we're here as a species. Why, what are we doing with ourselves? Why do we even have these bodies? What is the purpose for all of this? Am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? This book is the closest I've ever come to trying to understand it, to explaining it, and to feeling comfortable in that explanation of not feeling like, I need to know more, I need to know more. It lays it out, and I feel like it gives a solid understanding of something that we all struggle to understand. So is there going to be more sessions between y'all? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I've already written out my questions. <laughs> nice, nice. Gotcha. Let's see, I think there was something else about your book as well. Now, so, so the audience is more clear. So Childhood and Universe just deals with your experiences, correct, Jen? Yes, I took like what the, you see. the transcripts and kind of condensed it down into a nice piece of what I'd call fiction, just to give it a label, but it, it's not. It's based off of what I believe is the truth of, of my past, of, of these ancient origins. And it's, it's a well-whooping story. I think it gives you that firsthand perspective from the narrator who's witnessed all of this, and it allows you to kind of see it through her eyes. Perfect. And Sarah, for your book, your book is Sessions on the topic of Atlantis, but your session that you had with yourself and then also with your clients. It's like a compilation of my sessions, Jen's sessions and client sessions, all telling the same story of Atlantis and Lemuria. Interesting. And our ancient origins. Oh, like, like what else? Like from like other why we're here. <laughs> gotcha. Now, did Dolores Cannon help you out? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that in one of your other videos. I asked for it. <laughs> we, she yes. really did. And I, I found it entertaining that there was a book that Sarah gave me not too long ago. And this was after we had read, like, I, I was done with my book. I was just pretty much working on, you know, the publishing format. And Sarah gave me the convoluted universe. I believe it was volume two. And in it, it said that, uh, Dolores had uncovered this whole kind of mystery behind the female sphinx and went into it. And I realized what she had wrote about and left off 
never understanding the mystery of this thing she encountered was what we we started off with. And she I was she pushing us. Yeah, so we would finish this work for her because she must have understood mm. something from the other side and realized we needed it now. And I think she has pushed us in that direction to help clear this up. I don't think she'd like to leave loose ends. Gotcha. Mm. Now, does Finks, was that more in your book, Jen, or, or Sarah's book? It's Actually, both. both. And I think Sarah's past life um, encountered this, mm -hmm. the, the, um, the original Sphinx, what I believe. Right. I believe way older than the pyramids, way older than most people will ever, ever understand. Yeah. And uh, that's all included in Sarah's book. And it also mentions it in mine too, but it goes detailed into Sarah's. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I remember that chapter. There's a, a few, it's in a couple of her books, but I do remember the chapter with the Sphinx and everything. How there's more to it than what we think and right that came from it uh you know that it was a woman you know a lot of people think it was a man but it was a woman i don't know if that's the same thing y'all had so well <laughs> <laughs> and what was pretty cool was that there was a crystal in in the temple not that it was inside the sphinx but it was a it was inside the temple and they since the powers were abused by the people in the region and they wanted that power, they uh, sacrificed a priestess. And then after that, they said, okay, you know, we need to tone it down. We need to, you know, this, this technology, this energy can't be out right now. And they destroyed the crystal. Mm, correct. And in many ways, our books are the predecessors to that story. Our stories end where that story kind of picks up. Now that's and interesting. Together, <laughs> and it's funny you should mention the crystal too, because the crystal is a very big part of both of our books. What I like to call is the red crystal. Um, it is the power of the universe, the power to begin worlds, to create worlds, to colonize worlds, to travel through these worlds, and. It's a huge theme through both of our books is the power of this red crystal and our civilization's growth and our origin. So, and it's interesting because I've had so many clients confirm this, although sometimes they'll call it um, like a little purpley or just, you know, a uh, different explanation of red, but it's always, you know, described the same. Okay. You're talking about the crystal? Yeah. Like different shades of color. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> interesting that is pretty cool um does either book talk about anything that happens in our future this like around our timelines anything i mean the future is never set in stone anyway but i i did ask about how we're doing collectively and i have gotten from jen's sessions and other people's sessions as well that we're doing really well actually that we're, we're choosing that differently. <laughs> we're making better choices, and this is a really great time. It might not look like it, but it, it really is, and it will be. Right. I guess it could be a lot worse than what it is, for you know, what they're saying. Yes. Well, it's been a horrible year, but I think for a lot of people, the time we've spent sitting and reflecting instead of going out and, you know, serving our egos has really served a lot of us in many ways. It's opened us up to this awakening that would really allow us to you know function together instead of constantly trying to pull ourselves apart from each other so even though this has been a horrible year i do think there are some 
hidden silver linings there that we've come across through this process. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think we just have to get through it, make some good decisions, and we'll get through it. We'll see it, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so, Jen, I'm assuming this is your first book, by any chance? This is. This is my debut novel. <laughs> what was it like making your first book? I, I felt, wow, so many, <laughs> so many different emotions. Uh, excitement, frustration, uh, ups and downs with everything. It, it's kind of a crazy process to write a book because you tend to invoke what you're writing when you're doing it. And sometimes you end up living in some ways what your character is going through. And that was a little, <laughs> that was a little unnerving at points when I'm writing about being tortured in an Atlantean facility. So that was, you know, an interesting part, but all in all to finish the book is an amazing sense of accomplishment that I, yeah. I feel relieved. I feel free. I feel unstoppable now that it's out there and it's done. And I just hope it does for other people what it's done for me. I know this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. I'm writing. Oh, I don't, nice. I'm done with everything else. This is what I know I was meant to do. I've known it since I was young and I denied it for years. And it's time to just follow my passion and to do what I know is right. Well, always keep me in mind when you come out with the second book or if you want to <laughs> talk about this book that just came out. So just keep me in mind. Anytime. <laughs> but I understand... Um, which you're exactly talking about because when I, you know, started working on my uh, books for uh, Guardians of Magic, you know, the sci-fi action that takes place during that time frame of Atlantis and Lemuria. Mm -hmm. So I understand. I, I, and I need, I need to finish the, the one I already have and then I need to continue on with the fourth one. So, right. you know. Oh, you're up to the fourth sure. one. Excellent. Wow. I can't wait to read one of those, Jason. Yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, because even, you know, like, let's say you had all the information in the world of, like, what happened in Atlantis and Lemuria. Not everybody's going to read those type of books because it doesn't relate to them. So I, I, I'm taking it from the angle of making a sci-fi action type of story to get those other eyeballs. Those, oh, I see. Like, get their brains turning on. And then, like, like, oh, that was... That didn't really happen. Like, no, it really did happen. I just put it all together in a nice action story. So, so that was my goal to get more eyeballs and people more interested into the topic and then also open up their minds as well. Um, so when do you think you'll be finished with that? <laughs> I'm putting not, you on not, that. Not within these three months. There's so much going on right now. So, yeah. so much going on, but it's always on the back of my mind for me to do the first two was, you know, like how Jim was saying, like a huge accomplishment, like, like yeah, yeah. finally got it out, got the two, you know, the first two, and, you know, these are short books. So I'm looking yeah, at some, so, but once when they're out and about, you're like, okay, good. So that one's done. Yeah. Now I need to work on the third one, finish it up. And I have the third one. I just have to finish, finish it up, like change some things around. And then also just a little tidbit, like, and it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I hire a ghostwriter for some of my books. Oh, cool. So How was that? It, it works out pretty good. You know, I tell them what I want and then, you know, 
they put it all together for me and they, they make it into a plot, a story, and they keep the plot going. And they mentioned these crystal energy guns. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, that's too far. That's too far sci-fi. Take that out. And I was that's reading- That's so that. funny. I, I was like, take that out. And then I'm reading another, I forgot whose book it was. And then sure enough, I think it was Dolores Cannons, if I ain't mistaken. And sure enough, they have these crystal ray guns that they were shooting these uh, the mutants that uh, people that were had deformities in their arena. And I was like, what are the odds? I told I told the individual to take that part out, and then come to find out, I'm reading this other book, and it's like, I was like, oh shoot, maybe I should never have told him to take it out. <laughs> wow, we've seen. Why that. did they put it? There are no coincidences in what comes across yeah. any of this stuff, and you always have to just go with it. It's the lesson I've like. Yeah. So now yeah. I need to find another way to bring it back in, you know. So, but I was like, what are the odds of that happening? Wow. Um, so Sarah, to circle back that question to you, so this was your first book? Yes, this is my first book. I don't consider myself a writer in any way, and I wasn't planning on writing the book at all. I'm not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to piece the stories together and put something that's pretty cool together. So It just fell into my lap, basically. It was, it was planned by me before I came into this life. And, um, and I can see how it all fits perfectly. I'm not a writer. Jen is a writer. Her book is amazingly written. Mine is different. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not saying it's badly written. It's awesome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's different. It tells my story and it also um, is, a, you know, session stories, clients. It's a different perspective, and I think it's an important perspective to have when you consider the whole story, is to look at it from the eyes of the person who, you know, is, is giving, being given this message, and then the person who is being healed by this message, so it's definitely. Nice. So, Sarah, did you feel a sense of accomplishment when yours was done? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's really funny because I finished on, um, on the 12th. I finally finished my book. It was completely done on the 12th. And right before the 12th, on the 11th, I thought, what if I finish it tomorrow on the 12th? That would be crazy because I was the 12th level three. I live in 1212. It's always 12 everywhere. And then I lived in a different house for 12 years. I came here for 12 years. It's always 12 and it's just so meant to be. 
So yes, <laughs> I felt completely set up by the universe in a great way. And very accomplished. Is there any connection with the 1212? I mean, besides all I, it's I for me it's a symbol, it's a sign that this was meant to be, that I'm on my path, that I'm following what I'm supposed to do and this is what I'm supposed to do with my life as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, cuz you mentioned so it was December, which is a 12 and then the day was a 12, so you have 1212. 12. So that works out perfect. Then 2020. So you plan to do one every year? I would like to, definitely. I I don't know what mine is going to be about. I'm going to see what the universe brings me Got through it. my clients and through Jed. Absolutely. You might need more clients. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, talking about clients, how can someone get in touch with you if they're interested in a session with you? Well, they can go to my website. It's www.vtheholistichypnotist.com. www.theholistichypnotist.com. Perfect. And I'll have a link in the description if you just want to click it as well. Uh, Jen, is, is there any way you want people to contact you, send you love letters, anything like that? Thank you letters. How you changed their lives? <laughs> Actually, I would truly love to hear from anyone who feels that this book has helped them in any way. So the best way to get in touch with me is to go to my website. It's uh, www.jlfsullivan, which is my name, my writer's name, .com. And I'm sure you've got the link for that up. So just go and check that out. I've got a bunch of different things on there, ideas. I make lots of different Pinterest boards with different pins I've designed that relate to the book. So I think there's a lot of little things you can check out and see if it's something that kind of sparks your memories from a lost time. Okay, perfect, perfect. Is there anything in the book that didn't make it that you weren't too sure of? Oh my gosh, I had a lot of stuff in my book that I had to cut. Uh oh. I had um, just more information about Mount Shasta. Um, I just would go through different pieces and cut stuff that I thought wasn't really relevant to the same storyline. And maybe it'll be in the next book. Who knows? I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. I think it all has its place in the next book or the next books that we come up with. I see this as just something that just grows. The minute we figure out one area, that suddenly they bring us to a new area and you see how it all fits in together. It's just a huge puzzle. And it's probably like a 2,000 piece puzzle. So we've got, a, we've got a lot of piecing together to do and no shortage of material to write about. Right, oh, definitely. Seems like it's endless. And then you start talking about other planets, lifetimes and other planets. Definitely. When I first went to Sarah, I, I was looking over some of my first questions from our first QHHT session the other day. And one of them, my, my third question was, how do I get ideas for new books? Because I, I felt like I had had writer's block you know, 15 years, maybe I couldn't get an idea for a story or anything. And then this whole thing just starts coming out. And we have, I have had no shortage of ideas, of information, of history that's been given to me since then. So that was another blessing I received, I believe, during the QHHT sessions is this ability to open up to these ideas that have been stored. We also looked at the Akashic Record, right? Sarah introduced me to that. A lot of these things I had no idea about, oh. but I've been 
I wonder if I had any influence on that. <laughs> I believe you were able to tap into that to fully understand a, a better picture of the experiences of these people who were our, our founding, our founding members, our creators here. Nice, nice. What were some of the uh, questions in the beginning? Was there anything else that you noticed? Funny thing, the first thing I had on it was how do I successfully have another child and make it alive through the pregnancy? I had had a lot of difficulty in my last one. And with my neurological diagnosis that we feature in the book, I was told it would be impossible. It was not a good idea to do it. I probably would not make it through the pregnancy. And Sarah helped me throughout my entire pregnancy. I found out I was pregnant unintentionally. And um, it was a very healthy pregnancy, healthy delivery. It was a miracle. So I have a 15 month old <laughs> running around now as well, but it's funny that was the first question I ever asked her and I've received it and she's here and she's amazing. So I always say, I look at Sarah and I thank her for that. Oh, thanks. Nice, nice. So the little one's doing good. Everything's good with the little one? Wonderful, they're all good. Perfect, perfect. Well, if you're watching this video on QRE Network, just remember that the full video is going to be on Guardians of Magic because that's where I'll keep all my Atlantis and Lemurian stuff. So just keep that in mind. But if you listen to this on podcasts, uh, which is fine, uh, but there will be a link in the description if you want to see the video of this conversation so you can see what Sarah and Jen looks like. So Sarah, Jen, was there anything that I did not discuss or actual that y'all wanted to talk about? Was there anything that you like, like, ah, oh, this would be good to talk about? You know, I always found it fascinating what we uncovered about stone circles in the, in our regressions as well. And I, I know there's a fascination in our popular culture with things like Stonehenge and, and just where are these monoliths coming from? How long have they been there? And what I believe we un understood through our regressions is that this was an ancient transport system set up by the first people to come to our planet and colonize it. And under the right conditions, it would activate and allow you to go to different colonies that had been sent up by what we set up by what we believe were aliens, starseeds, anyone who had come here looking to colonize and to, mm. you know, continue their experience. So that was something I, I was surprised by and I often enjoyed understanding was this natural pull to these stone circles. What was it? Well, that's what it was. It was our, it was our transport system, our subway, our earthly subway. Gotcha. And, and that, that theory has been discussed a few times. So, that you, you know, that's not the first time I've, I've heard that. It has. Yeah. Sarah tells me all the time, like, oh my goodness, that's a thing. And I'm, I literally came into this knowing so little about any of it. I, it, it it's always entertaining to me when someone says, well, that's a thing, that's a thing. And I'm like, I had no idea. Innocent and naive and all of this stuff. <laughs> but that's great. That's what makes you such an excellent subject for this work. Truly, because you I didn't know any of this stuff. And also very skeptical too. Very, very methodical in my work. I worked as a journalist for years. I'm not a big person to go off into this whole, like off on the, you know, the sci-fi end and, it just kind of found me, I guess it, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just adds more truth to your work. You know, it's not like you're, you're sitting there digging into uh, conspiracy theories and, you know, sci-fi channel stuff or, or history channel stuff. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's something I've almost avoided my whole life because it kind of made me a little uncomfortable. But I think I understand what that was now. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was just me not listening to what I should have listened to a long time ago. I should have opened yeah. up to these ideas, to this higher self of my my own, this guidance, and probably would have saved myself a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You end up. I love it. You end up where you end up. I love it. Exactly. So you mentioned. Um, the circles, the stone circles and everything. Is that like Stonehenge? Oh, 100%. I think okay. Stonehenge is one of the ancient entrances that's left on our planet. I think a lot of them have been uh, disbanded because of the powers that they held. The ability for these transportations to happen weren't always beneficial to people. So Gotcha. Now, I don't, I'm, is this in your book, Child of the Universe, by any chance? 100%. It's in my, it's both, I think. Both? It's in both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I want to see if there's some similarities because Dolores Cannon talks because she was a big fan of Stonehenge as well. So right. She even went there a couple of times. So I want to know if there's some similarities. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's funny, even the Dolores Cannon books, like Sarah was using the QHHT method, but she purposely like withheld the books from me until we were <laughs> And then I let her have, have a few. <laughs> Oh, yeah. gave me like three at a time and I devoured them and my mind was blown because how how where like how and why I'll never really well I I really wanted to give them to you because it's so confirming there's a lot of the stuff that we uncovered that's that are it's in the book so I just wanted you to be able to see that oh definitely it's not crazy <laughs> Such a pleasant surprise completely Perfect, perfect. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I remember, because even with me, you know, reading a lot of the books and everything. So I was like, there's certain things like, man, how would that work? Even if it is a teleportion, you know, type of device or even energy or anything like that. It's like, it's made out of stone. How does that work? <laughs> you You'll know? have to read the book. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I just kept an open mind and I just go with it, you know, and Dolores Cannon's book. I don't know if y'all talked, y'all talked about why it was destroyed. Atlantis? Oh, Stonehenge? Uh, Stonehenge. Hmm. Well, Stonehenge, I, I don't believe Stonehenge was destroyed. I think that was left up until probably the Ice Age came in and that also would have had an effect on the placement of the stones that would have allowed for it to activate. And now it's just in such disarray, no one really knows what to do with it. There are other ones I believe were destroyed, destroyed, but I think Stonehenge is one of those last little question marks left around to kind of pick your interest and pull you in. Do you think it would work? Do you think if the conditions were right that that would work, the chasm would open? Based on Stonehenge? I don't think I want it to work. <laughs> right. Me either. But just out of curiosity. Mm, maybe. <laughs> You'd have to find a red crystal. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is cool because uh, are you a fan of Edgar Casey by any chance, Jen? Do you I've actually never read any of Edgar Casey's work. Good. Good. Keep it up because... Let, let let us explore that. <laughs> not, not to be a little selfish or anything, but you mentioned the red crystal, and I just wanted to give you some confirmation. If, for the people that are fans of Edgar Casey out there, 
um, he's, he's mentioned the Red Cristo as well. And in that, it was called the Bloodstone and the Firestone. So... And that would make sense to what I saw because the, the gem that I continuously saw in our sessions was a dull blood red stone. It wasn't uh, bright red. It wasn't this like dazzling ruby. It was a very dull stone, but it had many facets to it. And that was just what I continuously was shown. And some people recall it as black because it's so like dark, dull and dark. Many different descriptions of it. Gotcha. Or it could be another crystal. Could be more That's than true. One. I think there are more. I think recently I've been kind of getting some ideas that there could be some blue crystals out there. <laughs> I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of that popping up lately out of here and there. And I try now to really pay attention to the signs I see. So maybe for the next book, we'll understand the blue crystals a little better. Oh, interesting. Uh, here's a question that just came to mind. Jen and Sarah, have y'all both had past lives together at the same time? Mm -hmm. Now, what was that like? <laughs> or should we wait for the book? <laughs> We've had a lot, but the ones that I think are the most prevalent right now are the ones that we shared in Atlantis. In our last days, the last days of Atlantis, we were together right up until the last couple of minutes. And then we were pulled apart and I did my thing. Okay. Was that when Sarah was a captain on a boat? Ah, no, was I was a judge. He was a judge. Yeah. Oh, with, all right. So this happened to be with the island with the mutants? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So you, you was in... Oh, I'm sorry. Ah. Go ahead. Oh, so you was in that part, lifetime as well? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that almost like a Supreme Court Justice of Atlantis and was in charge of being the humanitarian and, and creating a uh, plan for the animal people of Atlantis. Got it. So you was a judge as well or like Sarah or, or? No, she was a prisoner. Oh, okay. And I knew her then <laughs> as well. She and we were together close to the time um, I had a heart attack before the end of Atlantis, but, right. um, but we knew each other very well. Wow, that's interesting. I did and not know that. Huh. So were you nice to Jen in that lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always been nice, honestly. I do. I am so nice. <laughs> Probably in all my lifetimes. Yeah, I wonder if it goes like hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like you kind of like keep the same persona in a way. So kind of yeah. If I could, like the other ones, I've remembered all of them. I'm I'm a little different. Sometimes I'm very different, but I'm still nice. I'm very nice. I don't know. Are you the same, Jen, in your lifetimes? <laughs> Um, I don't know if I would classify myself as nice in all of my lifetimes. I think I've probably done a lot of things to balance out the niceness because I think my past lives would all just be an accumulation of trying to experience everything. And maybe of course, I, you know, that I was a terrible, terrible person where I massacred and murdered people. And then in the next life, I would take makeup for it. I think it's just a collection of these experiences. It is. I mean, to be honest, I'm sure I've had 
lifetimes where I killed a bunch of people and it's probably just the ones that I remember because they're so similar to me, the ones I'm pulling together, you know, but I'm sure I've had thousands where I was a horrible person. And I think it's more than just us having these past lives together that we've had before. I, I see that what I've understood through all of this is that we have these contracts with each other to continuously play these things out in our existences. And it's yeah. more than just meeting up again. We have designed this. We have planned this. We have wholeheartedly planned this and looked to meet each other and to create all these similarities in our lives in this existence in order to recall this and to remember this. Like, you would not believe the amount of things in the universe that were pulling us together. As we look at them now and we list them together, like Jason, it's crazy when we look at how hard the universe was working to pull us together to get this story out. So I think it's... Uh, Makes you wonder what's the ultimate goal for pulling us all together, huh? <laughs> oh, I know what it is. We, if we don't pull together, we are not accomplishing the mission. And this is the mission is to come here, to adapt, to become one, and then to ascend together. And we can't do that if we're all on different ends of the, you know, different ends of the team, really. Not working together, working against each other, we get nowhere. Perfect, perfect. All right. Yeah, because um, I would like to add one thing. I you meant in the beginning how we were talking about how like everything goes in cycles and circles and everything. And then when I started exploring the subject of Atlantis, I even made a video about it. I noticed that there's a lot of similarities between the two and like how certain things are repeating. So when y'all brought up, you know, in today's video, when y'all brought up the virus and everything, I'm like, what are the odds? <laughs> I think the virus was a very big part of, in, in the history of Atlantis there and in the end days of Atlantis leading up to it. It wasn't what actually caused the cataclysm, but wow, did it really lead up to their final days. And I think that's why we're seeing it now. We really need to learn from our lessons of when this yeah. happened. You know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a second try. Like here, mm -hmm. yes. here's a here's play, here's a scene now do it again <laughs> yes not, exactly you know you know better, do it better this go around and it's really interesting that when you balance your karma you're not it's not because you did something wrong it's just you're getting another chance to do something differently and it's interesting that some people have karma because they wanted to accomplish something and they didn't do it or they wanted something and they didn't get it and that needed to be rebalanced so some people's lives were taken away too short and they didn't fulfill their mission so they're back doing the same you know tr finishing it basically perfect perfect that also that reminds me of like we, we came across this in one of our sessions that our past lives are more than just our memories that they are connected to our genetics in certain ways and that we create these yes. packs and these contracts that will span through our genetics and span through many different um, not, not lifetimes, but many different um, uh, generations in order to fulfill these goals as well. So that was also something that we kept seeing a continuous pattern of that kind of wanted, was like shouting at us, like, look at this, look at this, look at this, you know? Perfect, perfect. Well, I'm going to order both books tonight. I'm glad I have clarification because I thought it was just one book, not two. So. <laughs> so I'm going to get both books. I'm going to get the paperback so I can add it to my Atlantis collection. Cool. And it would be right here. I love it. So, 
So when I do other video collaborations, I could be like, well, speaking of which, <laughs> Sarah and Jen says something similar in hers. <laughs> awesome. So nice. Well, like I said, if y'all ever want to do another video collaboration, let me know. And then in the future, I would like to do uh, a gathering. Would y'all be interested in doing something? Yes, I definitely have been. You know, it's so funny. I was going to text Jen about doing something like that. Like reconnecting with that lifetime, some sort of a gathering would be amazing with people who are affected or remember this lifetime and they and it's changed their lives. The, book, the books changed their lives. It would be great to get together with a group of people. Truly. I think community is a big part of all of this and creating that no judgmental community of understanding these previous experiences and their role here. So I'm down for anything you've got going on. Perfect, perfect. Now for that information, you have to be a subscriber to the uh, newsletter and that's going to be on the QRE network. Uh, it's going to be on Quantum Research Enlightenment uh, website and I'll have a link in the description below. So that's one of my things I want to work out and get all the speakers like Sarah up there, you know, like how we had that very first conversation. So, and it seems like it's coming together. So, and then Jen, she could talk about her book as well and get some interesting things going. So any, any new developments we've got in yeah. through these sessions. Oh, yes. You could talk about any other future books that you come out with. Before I let your ladies go, was there anything else y'all needed to talk about? All right, or do. I hope, you, I hope you guys like the book and I'm looking forward to seeing how it's received by everybody. Perfect, perfect. And like I said, Sarah's book, uh, The Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis will be in the description. And Jen, Jen's book, Child of the Universe, will be in the description as well. So check them out. Add them to your collection. And then also leave a review. It helps. <laughs> Perfect. Well, ladies, y'all have a good night. I know, you know, y'all have things to do tonight. Um, y'all have a good night. Good night. Thank you, thank Jason. You. It was nice talking with you. Thank you. Anytime.